0: I'm so happy to be
1: back to all you ever think about is Sparks, the only and therefore best all Sparks all the time podcast. Your host Christian Huey is busy at a rummage sale, for pop music memorabilia, haggling over an original model craftwork robot. And so he's graciously handed over the task to me, Brian Ferry's inflatable doll. In this episode, Christian and Richard interview Rude Swart, world-renowned Sparksologist. But first an audio clip from UK band Jet. Jet was formed in 1974, with former members of Sparks, John's Children and Roxy Music. Here we have a rare live, recording from their 1999 reunion tour. Sparks fans will recognize this number. It's Barbecue Tea, their beloved 1974 B-side. Indeed, it blew my mind. Dance, goddammit. This is all you ever think about is Sparks.
0: YouTube.
1: Featuring, of course, Martin
0: and-
2: Yes, let me. Hi, hello. Yeah, hi. It's Christian. Can you um, hear me?
3: In, is is the, this is uh, Rud? Am I pronouncing your name right? Yes.
2: Well, you know, as close as you can get. That's close. Co- All
3: right. Well, <laughs> well f- please please correct me so I so I don't get it wrong next time. How do you how do you pronounce it?
2: Well, it's um it's a root. So root. I, don't, I don't think yeah you have, you have that. I don't think that sound exists in English.
3: <laughs> that, that's okay. I oh, will. I'll. I'll I'll I'll, I'll it. Um, so, uh, Rud, um, again, I'm I'm Christian, and uh, this is Richard. Hello. And um, Hello. of course, we are we are recording right now, and you know, this is of course I'll do a lot of editing and, and post production. But I want to thank you very much for taking time out of your evening to uh, to talk with us about uh, Sparks and and about uh, the fan club and that kind of thing. So right. if, if you I wouldn't mind, uh, Rude, uh, can you just go ahead and uh, introduce yourself briefly for the listeners?
2: Right, yeah. Uh, Ruud Schwartz. Uh, pronounced with a U sound. <laughs> um, born and raised in Amsterdam, in the Netherlands. And, um, yeah, I've, I've been following Spark since, uh, since, well, like most people, since this town, I'm big enough for both of us, came out as a single uh, here in Holland, which was about the same time as it came out in, in the UK. Right. And, um, yeah, I've always been collect- collecting uh, records, obviously, singles, when when I found out as a 13, 14 year old that there were different sleeves on different uh, releases in, in, in other countries, I thought that was a good start. Uh, so you've uh, been a... a-
3: You've been an avid Sparks collector from the from the very beginning. When uh, yeah. I suppose that would be in 1974. When uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, mid 74. Yeah, oh, that's great. Well, and uh, and how did you end up becoming a president of the of the Dutch Sparks fan club?
2: Well, well actually, there were there were uh, there were, there were a few fan clubs in those days in the mid 70s. yet yeah, obviously, the, the one was uh, led by Joseph Fleury from uh, from New York. No, oh. uh, He was already around in, around 72, um, possibly 71 even, um, and that was later taken over by, by Mary Martin, uh, which is obviously uh, runner Russell's mother, uh, Miriam Rogenson.
3: Oh, yes, Miriam Rogenson. Yeah. So at some point she was, she was uh, running one of the fan clubs?
2: She, she basically took over from, from Joseph Fleury, yes. Yes, I more see. or less. Because he got, more, he got more involved in a, in a, a, a management position, a assistant manager to, um, to John Hewlett in England in, in 74, 75. Okay. And there was, another, there was another British fan club which was led by, I forgot his last name, his surname, but his first name was Brian. He also released a few magazines, pretty nice ones too.
0: Hmm.
2: And there were at least uh, two in, uh, in the Netherlands, um, and I was I was a member of, of both, uh, and and the one that was uh, the, the bigger of the two uh, was was uh, run by uh, someone called Bart van der Hoge mm-hmm. and another guy Peter de Witt, um, was also involved. And I was just I was just a mere a mere member to uh, to that fan club, uh, but I was in close contact with with both of them. Wow. Ex- changing records and and, and and clippings and what have you, and uh, telling each other that they were on the radio or they were coming on the telly, that sort of stuff.
3: So I assume, um, you know, this, this isn't like a, a full-time job. This was something that you were doing because you were passionate about Sparks being president of the fan club, correct?
2: Well, yeah, at that period. But then in 79, uh, just as... Um, as Number One in Heaven was was released, mm-hmm. uh, Bart der Hooge, you uh, asked me to take over the fan club.
3: And so what? Uh, I don't know what. What did your duties kind of look like as uh, as president of the Dutch fan club? Just you know, sort of on a day-to-day basis. Right. Um,
2: well, um, mainly, of course, uh, uh, keeping in touch with the, with the the record companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, uh, there were international contacts so, so in, in, in every country you, you try to get a connection with someone who, uh, who, who would deal with the, the, the press and uh, and defense I suppose. So I mean, this,
3: this sounds like you're acting in somewhat of an official capacity for, for yeah. the band, for Ron and Russell and the, you know, whoever the band was at that time. Did you have yeah. any communications directly with Ron and Russell?
2: Um, in in those days, no, no, I, I didn't meet them uh, until 1981.
3: Oh, so, oh, well, that's that's
2: exciting. Do you want to yeah. talk uh, about but,
3: that a
2: little bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. Um, but but you, sure. you you asked about duties. The, yes. The, um, you know, there were more, more privileges uh, the way I, I saw it. But um, good point. Um, and then we released a, a fan magazine, obviously. Um, and the one that Bart, Bart van der Hoger released was called Propaganda, and that's the name I also kept, which I think was uh, was 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 a nice name for for a fan magazine. Yeah, I would say that's
3: pretty apropos. Absolutely. So yeah. it,
2: it's, uh, how long was uh, were you publishing that? Well, until um, I, I moved to Denmark in um, in 1990 and so from 79 to 1990 i released it and, and we also uh i also started to involve um or not involve but making a, a an international uh, magazine so an english language magazine to attract uh, uh foreign foreign fans or foreign members if you want um and at a certain point the the english there were more there were more fans reading the english magazine than the dutch magazine because uh, mm-hmm. They lost a lot of a lot of a lot of fans in holland um over the years, especially during the eighties
3: yeah I have noticed that uh, there there are many more european fans of of the band than there are yeah. americans for
2: sure yeah you're you're new to the uh or relatively new to the to the the forums on facebook i suppose right because um yeah uh, just, be, I think a couple of months before you um, you joined, uh, I published a, uh, a map with with all the fans that I'm aware of, uh, seven or eight hundred, I think, uh, with a, on with the locations. So you see the map of the world, and then you see a flag and then a oh, name. That's
3: fantastic. Well, I, I would I, I would happily contribute my uh, information yeah. to that as well. <laughs> Uh, and just for the sake of the listeners, uh, uh, Rude is um, talking about the Facebook group uh, called Indiscreet. And they're, um, I, I, gosh, I don't know. It looked like it was around 2,000 or so f- uh, people that were members of that group last time I looked. Yeah, yeah, around and that. Uh, that is how I came into contact with yourself and with a lot of other uh, really um, helpful, uh, knowledgeable people like uh, Monty um, Malin yeah yeah and I do appreciate that so this first episode that we're doing here uh root we are going in chronological order yeah with the the sparks repertoire and uh so the we we are starting out with the unreleased half nelson demo uh yeah. so, and this is um and this was a release that um that is very important to you has a special significance for yourself uh would you you care to just uh, explain briefly how you
2: knew about it, how you obtained it. Well, <clears throat> first of all, if if you go chronolo- chronological, then you, you shouldn't um, miss the, the the very first recordings they did, and they, they only made acetates of that, which was in in, in January um, nineteen sixty seven as the urban renewal project. Urban renewal project, yes, that's
3: right. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, when we uh, record after this uh, interview, we, we will be playing the the lone the only track that mm. is publicly available from the Urban Renewal Project, which of course is Computer Girl.
2: Yeah, yeah. Which is which is in fact of of all four recordings, is the most um, unorthodox. I would say the other the other three songs are much more in line with they with
3: sound it. more like traditional pop or rock. Yeah, that. The, from, uh, from
2: that, era. yeah, from that particular era, and and uh, you you can you can tell that they're really starting. Um, I mean, musicians aren't really good, um, and Russell singing needs a lot to be desired as well. But yeah. it's it's still interesting. It's it's you know it's it's a little treasure, of course. Um, oh yeah, it definitely is. But but that was that's even more obscure in the Half Nelson uh, demo album, which which really isn't the demo album, of course. But so,
3: um, well, what I thought was really. Interesting, you know. There's a new uh, Sparks uh, compilation out right. that's just about to be released, and it goes in chronological order. And lo and behold, it does start off with the Urban Renewal Project's Computer Girl, which I thought was a really bold choice.
2: Indeed, yeah, yeah. It was, of course, already uh, officially or semi-officially. No, I think it's officially um, um, released in Japan with the, with the, they had a guidebook in Japan in 2006.
3: Right, that's right. Yeah, I did read that. Yeah, they released that as a as a free CD. Yeah. So uh, regarding this, uh, the the first half Nelson unreleased demo, if you, if you want to call it,
2: mm-hmm. how did
3: you happen to come upon that, and how
2: how early were you aware of it of its existence? Um, uh, I I read about it in in uh, in seventy five. Uh, uh, by an interview uh, given uh, or through an interview given by uh, by joseph flurry mm-hmm. and he described it um as 12 songs all written by the males uh with a lot of organ influences by ron and uh, mm-hmm. very psych very psychedelic and i thought how is that possible you know uh, and that, that the whole album was released or at least distributed in a sense and i don't have it and <laughs> nobody has <laughs> And nobody has and it. That and nobody. must be rectified. Yeah. Somebody, yeah. Exactly. But that was in '75, right? And mm-hmm. and so um, the next, you know, twenty odd years, I, I tried to find it. There was no internet, obviously. Um, so I, I was corresponding a lot, you know, um, to 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 the members of of of, of, uh, of the fan fan club um I, I maybe i didn't point out that we also released uh, makers, oh yeah i did point out we did uh release a fence in as well on a regular basis um apart from just corresponding with them um but so i wrote to to obscure record companies or record um stores in the us because i knew they were they were distributed to to record companies um right
3: i think i read that there were and correct me if i'm wrong they they had uh, a hundred uh, acetates that they would just yeah. send out to record companies, and, and that was it yeah. as far as distribution.
2: That, that's the number that is, um, that is, yeah, that is always mentioned. Uh, it's, that's, that's very likely, I don't know. And you know, it was like um, the whole thing is the whole idea behind the album was um, they wanted to make it as easy as possible for the record company by presenting them a complete album.
1: Right.
2: So, for the sum of hundred thousand dollars, they could release it. That was the idea behind it. So, it was never a demo album. It was, not, it was not an album to to show what they were able to do. It was an album that was ready to be released if a record company was interested enough to do it. Right. Um, nobody did, obviously. And it it did turn out as as a demo in 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 the sense that um, the songs uh, were picked up by um, by Todd Rundgren. And um, and he went with with uh, uh, James Lowe to to check them out. Okay. Actually, um, I James the other day I I talked with James Lowe a bit. Uh, well, when I say talk, I mean correspond uh, on on the computer. And he said it was it was all Miss Christine who convinced Todd to to go there because she liked the uh, the song Roger very much.
0: Oh
3: wow! Um, so Todd Todd uh, Rundgren uh, had. I guess he he was aware he was aware of the band through that demo that's how he found out about them
2: well that's another interesting thing there there is something nobody can verify um, but the, the, the story goes that the album was released uh, but but there was also after that there was also a four song um cassette which was sent to um uh, to to Todd or through Miss Christine from the GTOs in those days. And I asked, and, and that was the tape that, that he heard and not the other uh, actual album, but only the tape that was made afterwards with the four songs. And I, um, but nobody seems to be able to verify that, but I I asked uh, James Lowe, because he went with Todd Runken, and I said, did you, did Todd actually go there because of the album that he heard or because of a tape that he heard? And he said, no, he had a cassette.
0: Now, what
3: was on so, this cassette? You said there were just four songs on that.
2: Yeah, and there were the songs that that all that featured that were, that were featuring on the um, on the on the first official Half Nelson album.
3: Oh, I see.
2: So there was uh, Wonder girl um, Roger High C and I believe Simple Ballet, but I'm not quite sure about that last one. Um, so there was always a rumor that that. That a, a tape was made with these four new songs, you know they were new in those days, and sent to and, and sent to to Todd Rundgren. Given to Miss Christine, who gave it to Todd Rundgren, and and she convinced him to go there. That was that is but it's all it's all vague ish. Sure.
3: In, in
2: in any case, uh, Todd Rundgren went there with James with James Lowe. That is a fact, and uh, and and the, I think they brought their wives with them, their girlfriends, relative girlfriends, uh-huh. and. Um, and they were impressed by the by the by the by the show that that, that Hoff Nelson gave them because um, they didn't just play, but they they had the hired girls, or you know it was like they were in, in the whiskey a go go. They had girls selling cigarettes and that sort of stuff, and they had uh, you know taped applause in between the songs and that, that sort. Of so they made they made a show of it even before they even had a record deal or anything.
3: Right. Yeah, they were definitely. Um very aware of uh, their uh, well they wanted to be, in each, wanted to be I guess well, uh, exactly they wanted to be in, in different, in different addition ones. to just their their sound um so i I've, I've listened to it i hadn't heard it before you shared it with me the okay. uh, demo album and it is right. very psychedelic uh it, it, there are a couple of spots where it it does sound similar to the the first couple of uh, bearsville um, albums, but besides oh, yeah. that, there's a I, I I can't help thinking of uh, early Pink Floyd with Sid Barrett. on yeah, a, sure. a few yeah. of those tracks, and I know on your blog uh, you mentioned that uh, one of the songs did sound a, a bit like the Kinks, and I know the Kinks were a big influence on them as well. Yeah.
2: well, yeah, yeah. The, I, I also
3: hear the Doors there, and the yeah the Doors, yeah, that's right. I, I don't remember which song you were. Uh, referring to in, in the blog right there, but yeah, I remember uh, you did mention that somewhere in the blog that one of them did sound like the doors. So I'm just not able to pull it up right now. So, uh, was, no. go ahead.
2: No, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I believe it was join the firm that I was referring to. Join the firm, um, right.
3: So, also from your blog, mm. I saw <clears> that uh, I read that you were ultimately able to track down and acquire. A copy of the demo yeah. album yeah. in a yeah. CD form. I'm guessing it's you know a, a, a writable CD form from
2: a member of The Smiths. No, 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 no. That's that's, that's an interesting. Uh, no, that is. Uh, I'll, I'll get to that later if if you want. Oh, of course. Uh, no, 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 no. It was the other way around actually. Um, first of uh, the way I I got it. Uh, I got a call from someone in England, uh, also a Sparks fan a member of the fan club and he said that and there was this is an odd story um, he said that he woke up one morning and uh, th- there was a package with only his address on it no stamps no sender uh, just a brown envelope and uh, he opened it and there was this cd cdr in it and a white glove and a white glove a glove. a glove yeah you know for like for hands for your hands yeah <laughs> white glove and um, and he played it, and it was the demo album. And uh, then he called me immediately, and he said, "What? Well, you know, I don't know what's happened. And but I don't know for, from whom I got it, but it's here. And uh, um, wow, can uh, there's, there's only one? Uh, yeah, what a nice little surprise. Uh,
3: this this yeah. this is uh, Richard, my co-host here. He's uh, listening in Yeah, yeah
2: that's imagine that's phenomenal.
3: It. So just out of nowhere, seemingly, you've been yeah, looking for this um, for twenty two years. Yeah,
2: but listen. I mean, was there a I, stamp on it or anything that No, there was no stamp on it either, no. No, somebody had, had just Dropped pushed it, it through his phone. mailbox. It fell on the mat and uh, he played it and he said well, what is that? And the, what, what about the glove? What is that? that is so, no, no, not, no, no to note, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and and he said, uh, and then he sent me, he said, do you want it? I said, yes, yeah, sure, of course. Well, are you kidding? So, that was in 97. Mm-hmm. And. um he said, um, I have the feeling that um, I would prefer, I will, I will send it to you, but I would prefer because I don't know who sent it to me and why and under what circumstances, you know, they were allowed to send it or give it to me. Uh, but I would I would um, really appreciate if you keep it to yourself for the time being. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I promised that, obviously. Uh, but it was, it was really hard. Uh, I kept my word mm-hmm. for about a year for about a year, but it was it was a bit difficult for me because there were two other guys at that time in 97. Uh, we had restarted the fan club again. Uh, this time it was called Fan Mail. And uh, the two, two people involved, Steph Streur from Holland and uh, Carl von Breukelen, also from Holland, who, who slightly passed, passed away two years ago, <laughs> um, they were, you know, uh, as big a fans of Sparks as I. And, and I, I had this, this treasure in my hands. mm mm-hmm. And I couldn't share the Holy it. Holy grail. Yeah, exactly. And and but I couldn't share it. And I really, really wanted them to hear it. Um, and then after like a year or so, a year and a half maybe, people started to talk about it. That that this that this album was out and and you know it had been distributed. Uh, and then uh, somebody said, yeah, I got it, and I heard it from somebody else, yeah, I just got it from somebody. And then I thought, okay, you know, then um, you know, the lid is off. Uh, and, and and the first thing I did, of course, was making CDRs for for these two Dutch friends of mine. And um, and then whenever people asked for it, I uh, I, I made I made a, a copy for them.
3: And of course, now twenty two years later, it's
2: yeah up, yeah. Up, yeah it's up up on YouTube and uh, <clears throat> that is so and Anyone cool. can watch it. It's at, everywhere, at everywhere. now. It's everywhere. Yeah yeah. And but it, it, I had been looking for it since seventy five since since I found out and and like two years after you got internet. You know, um, uh, that that's, that was absolutely nothing to do with it. Now I think about it, he, he, this so guy got we, it.
3: Uh, this is this is a, uh, a very open-ended question here, Rude. But um, what what about this album? And very few, uh, all but two of those tracks ended up uh, yeah. having a life, uh, you know, outside of this demo. Um, what, what appeals to you about about this album? It's 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 unique, completely unique in their uh, in their repertoire.
2: Hey, this is gonna this is gonna sound very strange, you know, because I was born and raised in Amsterdam, and in the wrong era. I'm ready uh, for strange. <laughs> two years too, uh, ten years too late. But in a way, um, it it felt like everything fell fell in place. You know, it's like uh, it's like uh, it's like a sort of homecoming. Uh, only i've never been in that in that place in that era you know during that era in in the late 60s it's, i must i must confess that it's one of the one of the eras and one of the locations in the world that that uh, attracts me the most i find it ext- extremely um fascinating and and attractive um, you're talking about that
3: that period well, in time the the late 60s
2: period in time but also but also in in um also in place. I mean, in, uh, you know, the the second half of the of the sixties, the music was amazing.
0: Right.
2: And um, and Los Angeles, uh, as, as for psychedelic music that which I love very much, was probably you know a, a better choice than uh, than Bristol, for instance. You know. Um, I, I, I and and this album just captures all that. It's the feeling. It's a sense of, of finally. You know. Um, it, it it almost sounded like every um every song or every style um every composition that i that i enjoyed that this was like topping it hmm. you know um i don't it's very hard to describe but it's it's like um i it just it just fitted in a way and i just every song that i heard uh You know, surprised me and and bewildered me, and and, and, you know, and and gave me extreme joy, and it still does, I must say.
3: Yeah, I will say when I first listened to it, which of course was very uh, recently, I I had a similar reaction initially to it that I tend to have with a lot of Sparks Sparks records, and and that's that it 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 sounds unique, but it does sound of its time. Yeah, in a way. and there's nothing else. I mean, you know, it, it sounds like psychi- psychedelic. Um, you know, it sounds like psychedelic rock uh, from the the, the late ni- uh, the late '60s. Of course, yeah. it's you know, it's uh, it's uh, as quirky as Ron and Russell uh, always would be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and regarding the the uh, the instrumentation there, there's not a lot of drums. I realized.
2: Yeah, no, there, there were um, there were two drummers involved. Um, they they um, Mike Burns was the, was the guy who um, who financed it, and he was also their manager at the time. Hmm. Um, and he he did some of the drumming on the album, um, but I think most of the drumming was done by by John Mendelson, who later uh, went with uh, Ralph uh, Ralph. Um, um R- R- Ralph Oswald sorry Ralph Oswald uh, to form Christopher Milk.
3: Ah Christopher Milk. That's
2: right. Yeah. And and after that he became um quite well known as a, as a journalist for Rolling Stone magazine.
3: Oh I didn't realize that. I'll have to look that up. Uh, yeah. And yeah. of course and there's uh, Russell playing bass I I suppose on the entire album R- and-
2: It Russell played bass on some some songs and and Ralph Oswald played bass on other songs. And it's not quite clear um, on what songs uh, who is playing uh, what, but um, I, I think most of the, the the bass would be would have been done by uh, by, by Ralph Oswald, I suppose, and yeah. um, and Russell did 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 some. Uh, he was a bass player with with the Urban Renewal Project,
3: right, right. And uh, he, I mean, I guess he wrote a, a handful, at least two of the songs on this album, which is. You know, and unusual for most of uh, their au uh, Rusty yeah. being a songwriter, but he did write a couple of those, didn't he? I
2: think, yeah, uh, he, he probably uh, wrote more than than just those two songs. Uh, I, I mean, he, he wrote all the songs on the Urban Renewal Project um, uh, recordings. Um, I think Ron was was still not that much involved. I think until Half Nelson, he, he might he might have he might have joined them occasionally or because even if you listen to a Computer Girl, the Ronna... Um, Ronna Franks? Ronna Franks, Yes, sorry. Ronna Franks, she said that, that uh, she, she played um, the, the keyboards on that song.
3: Oh, really?
2: Yeah, and I asked, so what was Ron? You know, I was running involved? She said, I, to be honest, I can't remember what Ron's part was exactly. So... Um, You know, there you go. But she played drums as well, and and apparently she also she also plays um, uh, keyboards. I listened to her, um, um, you know, going uh, a bit off the road. uh, uh, I listened to a a few of her a few uh, examples of her music, and that reminded me in a way uh, also also a lot to the Urban Renewal Project. (laughs) Strange enough, also very odd melodies that she wrote. Very very interesting melodies.
3: Are they under her name?
2: Yeah, yeah, they should be under her name. Have to look that Found up them online. Well. Well. She wrote also a lot of children music or musicals for children, that sort of stuff. Oh, wow. i have
3: to look that
2: yeah. up. Yeah, it was very very nice at, at first listen, yeah.
3: Well, I'm sure uh, our listeners are, are dying to know, as am I, what is the connection to <laughs> Morrissey and the Smiths?
2: All right, okay, yeah. Well, you?
3: <laughs> Not to know. belabor a point.
2: <laughs> okay this is uh okay it's it's a bit of a long story but I'll shorten it as much mm-hmm. as I can. Um uh, uh, the aforementioned Carl van Breukelen uh and and Steph Struer and me um in 2 th- in 1999 we bought the um uh the rights to release the, the Yet album um if your listeners know who that is or what it is Yet was a, was a band uh formed by Martin Gordon. Did you say Yet? Yet J E T J E T J E T yeah. Jet. Yeah, Martin Gordon. All, all those guys uh, were involved with Sparks uh, of, of the band Jet. The album now, was are called. Are you
3: talking about the uh, the band Jet that that had a hit in the I want to say early two thousands around around two thousand three or so? Is it is? No, this is five. What was this that? Is
2: 70- Oh this is a
3: different band, Jet. Okay, alright. This me. is the original, right. <laughs> right.
2: This is the original Jet. Now after um after he was um you know thanked for his uh, for his work with, with Sparks, Martin Gordon started a band Jet with um Andy Ellison, which was the singer of John's Children.
0: Hmm.
2: And the John in John's Children was John Hewlett, who became the manager of Sparks in in no. 74 but there's a, uh, um, and the drummer was uh, chris townsend of jet and he also played with um, um with john children but he also played with sparks when they came to the uk runner russell uh, they made a demo and chris townsend drummed on that um and um so Martin Gordon and uh, and there was uh, Sir Peter Oxendale or Peter Oxendale who was on keyboards on Jet, and he was the one who briefly uh, rehearsed with Sparks prior to their 19, uh, June 1974 tour because they thought they needed a second a second keyboard player.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, but not many people know about that because he, he never joined them in the end uh, because they decided to not not to use a second keyboard player. Um, but these people, so Martin Gordon and Andy and Allison, and Chris Townsend, Dave O'List, which was the guitarist, and, um, and Pete Oxendale, they formed Jet. And they recorded a whole uh, album. One of the songs was uh, a, a song called Cover Girl. And that is supposed to be one of the reasons why Martin Gordon was dismissed from Sparks, because he wanted to have that one included in Kimono My House. Aha! Uh-huh. And Ron Russell said, "No, we, we, you know, we have, we have a right. We have, we have somebody who writes songs, and that is Ron. And
3: that, and that's me, Ron.
2: And no, and <laughs> yeah. else? Exactly, right. yeah, Russell. did. but um, <laughs> there you go. So, so th- those guys I just mentioned, those five guys, they started an album, a band called Yet, and and they um, al- they recorded an album, and later that band went on with some changes in, in personnel." To radio stars and they had some minor hits in the UK. In any case, um, this album was only released on vinyl in 1975 and in 1999 the three of us, Carl, uh, Steph and I, we were given uh, the rights or we bought the rights to release the album uh, on on CD and we also bought the rights of the second album that was never released, only recorded. So uh, that's what we did, and uh, we we released it in in I think early two thousand, and um, then we thought it was a good idea if we could promote this CD by having a, a mini tour, two or three gigs, of the original uh, yet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which which happened, and I uh, and they said, "Well, we need a we need a we need a, a support act." And I, I had a band in those days; I was playing in a band, and I said, "Well, uh, we can do I can do that. I would love to do that." So, um, so you're being so to
3: play as the support act? Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. that's fantastic! And what's the name yeah. of your band? Rude. Uh, that was called Wednesday Week.
3: Wednesday Week. Okay, great.
2: Uh, um, but we only did three gigs with them because there were only three gigs. One in London, in in Dingwalls, in Camden Town. One in Berlin, and one in uh, in Amsterdam. And, and now I'm getting finally to the point of of the connection, more.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay. It's it's been it's been an enjoyable ride. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I
2: hope so. Um, so I I am I've always been a, a big admirer and and uh, follower of of Morrissey and the Smiths as well. Not as not as fanatic, not as obsessive.
3: As As run and Russell, I've heard.
2: Well, yeah, it, it was actually more the other way around. I mean, Ronald Russell appreciates Morrissey very much for the musician and the lyricist that he is. But uh, but uh, Morrissey was already a, a, a really, uh, a really big fan in 74, yeah. Um, in any case, so we, I, I, I went there as a support act in, in the dressing room. We had one large dressing room in in Dingwalls in, in Camden Town, London. Um and we shared it with Jet with the members of Jet so uh, Trevor White was there also he played guitar and Martin Gordon and um, Chris Towns the drummer and um, we had no keyboardists I think and um, and I was I was sitting there you know being nervous and getting more nervous because there was like 1500, 2000 people there in, in Camden Town and we you know with our little band we only played for like two or 300 people at the most and and um and this was england you know uh, something else and we made we made you know we we made ourselves believe that we made some kind of britpop sound so that we were in in the you know in, in the center of where it all happened and uh, opening for a band like that so we were, I was waiting there and, and tuning my guitar and and all of a sudden boss Bohrer came in and boss mm-hmm. borer had boss is the guitarist guitarist of morrissey and, um, oh, he was—he's uh, Morrissey's gu-
3: gu- uh, touring guitarist, but he was not—he was not a—he was not a, was no, a not member of the Smiths. Smiths. Yeah, no. because yeah,
2: that would no, no. He was no Morrissey was a member of the Smiths, obviously. And mm-hmm. and after he, after the Smiths broke up, then he started. Uh, then he started his new, and he had lo- a lot of a, a lot of musicians uh, during the during the, the last uh, two three decades. But um, Bos Bora was one of the first who joined him, and he, he's still there. Uh, he's not only a touring he's not only the touring guitarist, but he's, he also features on, on most of the albums, 90% of the albums. And he's still there, he's still touring with Morrissey as we speak. Um, and, and boss Warer was a fan of, of John's Children, of the original John's Children. And he lived in the same street as Andy Ellison, the singer of the original John's Children. So um they talked and, and Andy Ellison asked whether he wanted to join them in this, this one off gig in London. Which he did, and he it was really funny um, because he he had just done a tour with Morrissey, um, uh, which was called Oy Esteban, um, Hey Stephen, if if you translate it. Oh, to, that's know, you know, oh yes. Yeah, I okay. that album. Stephen, yeah. this first name, obviously, his of of Morrissey. Yeah, and he was and he was dressed up uh, like 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 he did on the tour with his big sombrero, you know, this big Mexican uh, hat and all this, this this, like a mariachi kind of costume he was wearing and he came in and I, I looked under his sombrero and I, I said fuck me that's boss Borer I didn't know you know I didn't know that he was going to join them and um, so you know we got to talk and we in between the, the, the gigs we we sat down and afterwards we sat down and we talked a bit and oh we talked a lot in fact and, and I told him about my fascination for Morrissey and Sparks
0: mm-hmm. and
2: and uh, and he he said that Morris was a huge Sparks fan. I said, Yeah, I know. I said, I, I, I said, Does he have this half Nelson demos? No, I don't think he does. And uh, then he said, Can you make me can you make me a CD of it? And then we can play it on the tour bus. I will I will give it to him, and uh, I'm sure he does. He's never heard of it. Oh, so, I see. So you you at this at this point you already yeah, were in possession, she,
3: of right? A, a CD, yes, of it, and it was. Baz, yeah. uh Morrissey's guitarist, who was asking for a copy of it, so that so that Morrissey and his band could play it on their tour bus.
2: Yeah, just to to enjoy it. Yeah, I suppose uh, he was he, he he um he he wanted to give it to Morrissey, and he said, to well, Alex like Sparks too. Maybe maybe we should play it on the tour bus, something like that." He said. So as soon as after the, after his mini tour that we had. I got home and uh, and I sent uh, I made a CDR for it and I sent it to Mor- and I sent it to, to Boz and and, uh, and he was to, to give it to Morrissey, and that was very surprising. A, a few years later, he had his, Morrissey had a CD released uh, under the influence, mm-hmm. which was not his own music, but was all uh, all bands and songs and artists that had mm-hmm. influenced him mm-hmm. over the. And there was also one song from this demo album on it. So I thought, you know, oh, wow. what's going on here? Is There was a song
3: from the Half Nelson demo album?
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which one was uh, it? Um, let me think. Uh, um, Arts and Craft Spectacular. Oh, Arts and Craft Spectacular. Okay, yeah. That yeah, was
3: with... with uh, and yeah. Jones. Yeah. What's the name of that album again?
2: That's, that's a beautiful song, too. <laughs> but, well,
3: but, what was uh, the name of that of that Morrissey album? Here Under
2: the yeah, under the influence. Okay, there it is. And there's, um, there's there's a lot of nice songs on it, actually. Some some of the songs I I, I had, but you know, um many of the artists on that album I I, I like myself. I collect myself uh, in a modest way, and not like Sparks, obviously. But if, if I just have their albums, that that would usually do it. Um, but. but um, so that's that's really the story behind it, and and, and you know I can't be hundred percent sure. Maybe Morrissey did pick up uh, the Half Nelson uh, demo album at some point before I gave it to him. That's that's very well possible. I'm I'm not sure about that, but he most certainly he most certainly wasn't influenced by it because it was never out before uh, 1997. Wow,
3: that's incredible.
2: So that's, that's fun. It's a fun trivia, but. Um,
3: yeah, well, Yeah, it most definitely is. Uh so sure. uh, we've just got a couple of minutes left here, but uh I uh, wanted to um well first off I want to tell our listeners to, to check out your blog. Uh it hasn't been for decades. Oh you but, haven't, worked, um,
2: you haven't <laughs> updated that in decades, uh, uh, but, but I I will why, why shouldn't I? I I I, uh, I? I I I add something to it, but um, no, I just wanted to. My my fascination for the my fascination for this album was so big that I wanted to, you know, to to share it with whoever was interested in it and, and see if they they felt the same about it like me like I do.
3: Well, I definitely appreciated it. it uh, yeah, it's made it's made for a very good listening companion.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a brilliant album. There, there's also one more song that that um, I think I sent you that already. Oh. by the run.
3: Yeah, that's right. So let, let me, I want to pull this
2: it's up. That's an outtake from, from that album. It, it's, it's a, I do know, it's maybe only a minute or so. Yeah, uh, it
3: says 35 mental. seconds. I listen to it. It's really brief. Um, and then there is an, an early version of I Like Girls. But then uh, I wanted to ask you about this, and this will be my last question. So th- there right. are there are two, I, I suppose there are radio ads on here yeah. uh, called yeah. Fanny Ad and Bobby Charles yeah. Ad. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And uh, I'm playing one right Did, now.
0: Can you yeah. You can hear that. Yeah.
2: Off? These these were recorded in in '72. I suppose as um, as a gesture, or maybe it was included in the contract for Bursville uh-huh. They uh, they were either forced or asked to make uh, you know the occasional jingles for for uh, for their peer um, musicians on the on the label. Um, Maybe maybe there is there is there is an ad for the half Nelson album made by Fanny somewhere. I don't know, you know. <laughs> okay, so so
3: so Fanny was a was another group. They were another band.
2: Fanny was the, yeah. Fanny was the, the they were advertised as the first all female rock band. Got
3: it. That's a wonderful name.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Fanny means different uh, word. Oh
3: yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> we're we're aware. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. I have a question for you, Ruth. um Yeah, by all means... Uh, being uh, president of the fan club for so long, I would imagine yes. you've accumulated a really nice collection of memorabilia. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably somewhere in your garage or in your closet, like most of us have. What would you say is uh, your most cherished possession that you have?
2: Well, yeah, but but that, that yeah, that's a good question because then you, you might refer to. You know the level of rarity, uh, rarity, uh, ra- rareness it is. Um, it 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 changes uh, every time. It changes. You see, um, in the seventies, you know, having 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 uh, having a copy of the one and a half Nelson bootleg vinyl was uh, was considered to be you know extremely rare to have yeah. that. Uh, so. so during that time, that there was that, then all of a sudden, it also there was, for instance, the B side of uh, "Looks, Looks, Looks," which only came out in America, and and you know, us uh, Europeans uh, couldn't hear that song.
3: Now, what was that? What was the B side of "Looks, Looks,
2: Looks"? Well, um, no, in, in Europe or everywhere in the world, it was "Pineapple," but uh, wow. in America, the wedding of Jacqueline Kennedy to Russell Mail. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and in those days, we—I really, really thought it was a song. You know, I mean, it is a song in a sense, but but it's you know. Um, not a real song, obviously. Um, so, but but and and then you had the half Nelson demos, or, or yeah. And then you had, for instance, the the, the Mick Ronson uh, rehearsals they did uh, prior to the Big Beat recordings.
3: Wait, hold uh, on, j- just a moment. So they we mm-hmm. were rehearsing with Nick Ronson during Nick the, Ronson the, the rehearsals Bowie. for
2: Big Beat. Yeah, um Hilly, Hilly Hilly Michael's the the drummer of Big Beat he 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 was living with um um with Mick Ronson in those oh, days wow. in, new or- in New York and Mick Ronson was contacted by Ron and Russell because they want they wanted to have a totally different sound mm-hmm. after um, after Indiscreet um and Mick Ronson was prepared to play with them to rehearse their new songs their Big Beat songs and uh and, and uh, Hilly he joined them because he was there he was present um, and I think it was Salmeida on bass already then so um, but but so the big beat band but with Mick Ronson instead of um, instead of um, Jeffrey Salem I think it was on uh, on, on the album um, and, and and the whole idea was that Mick Ronson was going to be the producer of that album and they would join Sparks on the tour.
0: Oh,
3: wow. But
2: but yeah, he didn't do that. sold a lot of tickets, I'm sure, having mixed yeah, well,
0: involved.
2: Yeah. Exactly, but he, he, you know, he declined in the end, not because he didn't like it, but because he had other projects going on. Wow, that's uh, interesting. So yeah, so so there's so there's many, and, and you know, recently a few a few months ago, I got these these um, recordings from from uh, Urban Renewal Project. So there's every, every time there's something that that you value or that you that the, the 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 thing that and I, I think you can imagine that the thing that I'm still um that I still don't have or nobody or somebody might have is, is original work by Half Nelson from the Half Nelson time uh, um like uh, like uh, rehearsals or 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 a life, a live gig oh wow did yeah, not that's what i'm looking for you know i like most people do who like that era it's next on the list? Uh, i know i know um um, uh, Larry uh, Dupont. Uh, Larry Dupont.
3: He, he um, I guess, was their photographer, but he also helped them record the demo yeah. album.
2: Well, yeah, not not necessarily the demo. He was he was present with. But he, he he did the photography. He also helped with um, setting up things, uh, um, and 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 he made he made a, 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 a lot of promo photos for the first album that never. See the light of day, um, but um, I've I been corresponding with Larry DuPont He's a very nice, very nice man. But where does he live? He lives in L.A. still. Hmm. And I asked uh, whether he's, he still have uh, original Half Nelson uh, um, recordings on on tape, reel to reel. And he said, "Yeah, there's a bunch of them somewhere in a carton box upstairs." What? Wow! But he and you know, it's, and, been, it's just been sitting up there and and.
3: Addict or something just gathering dust for
2: fifty years. Well, it's going to disintegrate, you know, really soon. Okay, uh, I, I think. So, but so I asked as kind uh, um, as as kind as I can be, uh, to whether you would be able or willing to share. But he he said no. He he can't do that, and he doesn't want to, and uh, not now. And but there's some other people uh, close to him and, and uh, that that also talk with him. Maybe there's going to be a day that he says, okay, maybe it's time to. Um yeah, I mean, what? Well, what the the problem with all yeah, I mean, right, what's, he, what's what's he holding on, up for? It's <laughs> been 50 years. <laughs> and and I'm sure I've, I've been trying for a long time to get in touch with Earl Earl Menki. Earl he, Menki,
3: the drummer who joined after no, no,
2: they but, released this. No, that's album, that's, right? Harley, that's Harley Feinstein. Oh, that's right. Uh, Earl Mankey was the guitarist. Yeah, he was there from from you know '68. He was the the one who started Half Nelson with them, the three of them. And all they did until you know for, for for a good year and a half, maybe two years, they only sat there and they and they recorded songs. That's all they did. And they rehearsed. And he played with this real to real player. Wow. And, and, and then the idea came of okay, let's, let's, because they never played live in those days. They never did. Right. And, and then the idea um, came up to make this album. We make a complete album. So we just, we just present that to any record company. And if they like it, they pay us hundred thousand dollars and uh, they can release it. And, and so Todd Rundgren liked it, but he said, well, yeah, we like it, but we're not going to release that album. You're going to have to record a whole new album.
3: Right. And of course, and that we was, ended up scrapping all
2: but yeah. two of the songs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and if and if the rumors are right, or or the myth, or whatever you want to call it, that a, a four song tape was made right after that album, then uh, the, the, you know four of four of those songs were already there, like Wonder Girl and uh, um, I See, and right. and so so they already wrote. Songs immediately after, after the demo album was recorded. Um, and that was the time that also that 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 that's why uh, Harley Feinstein was was very um, pleased because um, he was asked to join them after this demo album was recorded, mm-hmm. uh, to mainly to um, to be on the in the photographs, you know, formal. <laughs> <Okay, sure. laughs> They because they wanted to they wanted to look like a band so they needed a you know a, a, a solid number I suppose so so uh, Jim Minky was asked uh, Jim was very his very he, there was yeah his brother but uh, Earl for a long time he he kept Jim away from that position because uh, Earl knew that Jim was a much better guitar player than he was himself. And he didn't and so in the end he said okay you know he can join us but he has to be the bass player i i remain the guitarist and uh, and and they thought that jim and and harley thought that they joined a band that had made an album in their own time and money and they were only going to be there to promote that album by maybe interviews or maybe the the you know the, the scarce um the, the rare uh, performance but more, mainly for photographs and so and then all of a sudden they, they were asked by Todd Rundgren to, to record a whole new album so all of a sudden they were, re, they were recording artists so that's yeah, that, that, history
3: indeed yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fantastic uh, um, and, and uh, you uh, you're a musician yourself correct Root you, you mentioned well, that your band had opened for
0: uh, yeah, yeah, shows.
3: yeah are, are you uh, currently working with them are you guys performing
2: with with the, no 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 I um I I no I'm I'm not in a, in a band anymore I, I'm I have a, a little studio at home but I still have to, I, I moved houses about a year ago and I still one of one of those things I still have to uh, you know to set up is this, this studio that it, it's I mean it's it sounds bigger than this it's just an eight yeah. eight track. Uh, no, I understand
3: uh, that. You should see my studio. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I, I do write songs still. Oh, is it? <laughs>
3: Oh, that's fantastic! Um, yeah. Well, Ruth, I, I, I thank you so much for oh, my pleasure for the time and you know for um, you know for your your knowledge uh, about all things Spark.
2: Pleasure.
1: I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ruth Swart. Christian is again unable to sign off personally as he's in a heated argument with Peter Frampton's talk box over fox hunting in England. Who wishes to convey that he and Richard shall return soon to discuss Sparks, first official album for Bears Records. Until then, feel free to dick around. This has been All You Ever Think About Is Sparks.